The sound of that tractor means it's time for us to go to work. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast powered by Hoopa Grading Company. My name is Brandon Lindsay and I am your host. We've got a special guest with us today and we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart and I imagine that's going to be the case for many of our listeners as well. We're going to be talking about our military veterans, the men and women that have worn the uniform and made the choice to serve this country for the sake of all of us that get to enjoy the freedoms it provides. These men and women are highly trained and highly skilled at what they do, but when the time comes for them to leave the service and to try to find a job in the civilian world, you can imagine that learning to translate those skills to another profession might seem a bit overwhelming. They have so much experience, so much specialized experience, but many struggle to find jobs because they don't know how those skills match the needs that the employers have. Our guest today on the Give Us the Dirt podcast understands that problem well and has helped to create a solution. Robin Grable, the founder and CEO of Veterans Ascend, is that translator, that bridge, if you will, that helps veterans match their skills to civilian jobs. And this year, they've partnered with Carolina's AGC to connect veterans to construction careers where skilled employees are desperately needed. We're excited to have you here, Robin, and to learn about your work. Welcome to the Give Us a Dirt podcast. Thank you so much. I am just honored to be here and happy to be talking about this subject. Well, first off, before we get started, I want to thank you for your service, and I want to thank you for the great work that you continue to do to support our country's military members and their families. It's great work. It's desperately needed, so thank you. My pleasure. My honor. It's really a privilege for me. Well, you're no, you're no rookie to the podcast game. You've got a podcast yourself, <laughs> I don't do. you? Yeah, we do. We're going to get into video podcasting this year, too, so I'm looking forward to that. But yes, I love talking on podcasts, just to talk to the different people, the two organizations, good, great work out there. So yes, Are you, But you're not used to being on that side. I am the, not <laughs> used to being on this side, no. Well, it's going to be great. We're, we're excited to, uh, to get the dirt on Veterans of Sin and to hear a little bit more about your story. So one thing that we do here on the Give Us a Dirt podcast, um, well, first off, we've got a team, and they've, they've dug up some pretty good intel on you to get me ready for this. And so, I, if I'm not mistaken, you have a daughter, is that right? I do. Now, so we're going to ask you, instead of you introducing yourself, how do you think your daughter would introduce you uh, to a group of friends that do not know you and have never met you? What would she say about mom? Wow. Um, my daughter and I are best friends, so uh, she would say that I am probably the hardest working person that she's ever met, um, the most dedicated person, the most loyal person. I could cry. Um, That's just, okay. We've had many people cry on the Give Us a Dirt <laughs> podcast. It's okay. I've got dirt in my eye. We need to keep tissues in here. <laughs> exactly. That's a- no, she would really say that I, I'm really one of the hardest working people, the most passionate about what I do, and I'm a fighter. So if, if you're behind uh, my cause and, and I am fighting for you, I'm going to win. Oh, that's so cool. Yep. Well, that's so cool. What a great role yep. model that Thank you've been. You. And uh, I'm sure that uh, she has enjoyed watching you uh, do this and to launch this, uh, this company and, and to see all that you've poured into it. So that's pretty cool. I, uh, I was doing some research, and I, that theme, that word comes up a lot. Like, you are a fighter. You, you fought hard for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand you, you didn't have the easiest of childhoods. No, no. no I was a stepchild um, on both sides. So I was an only child to my actual parents and stepchild, you know, stepchild to on the side that they got remarried. So, yeah, I've fought for myself, fought for other kids. So it started early. Well, talk to us about that. Where, tell us, uh, tell tell us where you're from, and 
Uh, tell us what it is you do. So um, I grew up in Richmond, Indiana, um, and I lived there until I um, graduated high school and went in the Navy. Uh, it was a small town. It felt like a small town to me. Although looking back, it's a lot, probably a lot bigger now. But uh, it was a small town. Didn't have money for college. The Navy recruiter came to the high school one day and said, join the Navy, see the world. I was like, yes, I'll see the world. I've never been on an airplane before. Hardly ever been out of Indiana at that point. Um, and so that was an experience going into the Navy. Uh, and I loved it. But it was 1979. It was not a time when um, females were really accepted into the military um, for a lot of different reasons. So that, you know, so my, my journey started as being a stepchild and wanting to be a child psychologist to help save children like me. Um, but then I went in the Navy and ended up having to start to save females like me to fight for our skills, to fight for knowing if I could do the job if I have the skills, if I have the knowledge, if I can pass the test, if I'm strong enough, I should be able to do the job. Not be told, no, you can't do that job just because you're a female, um, which I heard a lot um, in those early years of the Navy. So I served for nine years, loved being in the Navy, loved wearing the uniform. Um, finally got to a point where I, I couldn't really go any further, and I got tired of hearing, that's how we've always done it, and that's how we're always going to do it. I wanted to make a difference, um, so I got out. Um, but then when I got out of the Navy in transition, no one could translate my skills. No one understood what I'd done. And, and the ironic thing is I had just finished COBOL and Fortran programming school. So I was a programmer, but no one understood what that meant to translate that onto our resume. So that really started the track of Veterans Ascend, but then it was a few years later before we really it really came to fruition. So Wow. All right. There's a lot to there's a lot to there do out there. So first <laughs> off, this this Navy recruiter shows up at the high school. What in the world makes you say yes? Sign me up for that. Like I, I were you was it I gotta get out of here? Yeah. That was it? It really was. I knew I didn't have money for college. I didn't think about being able to pay to go to community college on my own. Just wasn't something that our family talked about. Um, really wasn't something that high school guidance counselors even talked to us about. So yeah, when, when they came in and said, we'll pay you to see the world, I was like, how great can this be? Now, my stepfather had served in the Navy. I was, he had been out before I was born, but, and my, my real father was in the Air Force. So I had a military sense to me, um, but it was just a sense of belonging and being somewhere that was bigger than me that needed me. So that, that's really what was the driving factor. And yeah, getting out of that little town in Indiana and getting to see the world uh, was, was the really was a bonus driving too. force. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's just, I, I'm, I'm inspired by that. I think it's great. I always love it when someone tells a story of how they wanted to go serve and, and, and they were willing to leave everything behind to go do that. But yeah. not only did you choose to do that, you did it at a time where, like, you, your fight started on day one. It did. It and you've been did. fighting every day since. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and there, when I got to Iceland, I was stationed in Iceland for two years. I remember the detailer telling me I was going to Iceland, and I thought, where is that? It's a beautiful country. If you ever get the opportunity to go, I highly recommend it. It's just beautiful there. But it, I got there, and, you know, there's the, there was the generation of the older, uh, more seasoned sailors that you know, wanted to take you under your wing and under their wing and say, oh, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to help you. I don't want you to do this because, you know, you remind me of my daughter. You remind me of my granddaughter. Um, and then there was the younger generation who thought females went into the military 
to be promiscuous. And and so it was it was a, a tough balancing act. And then to be told I can't do certain jobs just because I'm a female, um, it was definitely a fight, but a, a fun one. And I, I enjoyed it. And it, it, obviously it was born to do it. How long did uh, you do it? Nine years. Nine years in the Navy. Nine years in the Navy. So it was And great. so you said you were a programmer. And what, what else did you do? So my, my title was data processing technician, okay. which really encompassed a lot of things back then because computers were just coming on board. You know, a lot of the Navy had one of the huge, the biggest Honeywell systems uh, in the country. So um, I was working on computers. I was doing payroll. I was doing HR stuff. I was um, data processing. My last job in the Navy, I was actually a kind of a relationship manager for the Navy's computer systems. I would work with civilian companies that got to use processing time on the Navy's computers and making sure that they were happy with that, which kind of led me fast forward a few years, and that's the job I did at ADP for 15 years, kind of that relationship manager. And now at Veterans Ascend, it's really what we're building there is relationships with employers who are intentional about hiring our military talent, but it's about a relationship with them and helping those businesses be successful. So, Well, that, that helps tee up a little bit of the conversations. I wanted to see all right, how we get to this point. So you, you spent nine years in the Navy. Uh, you developed all these skills. You come out, you go to work for, you mentioned it briefly, ADP, mm-hmm. and you spent 15 years there. Is that right? Yep. And then what were you doing there? Relationship management. Re- okay. Working and then, for their national accounts. Yeah. So at what point does this idea of Veterans Ascend come up and how did it come up? Yeah. Tell us that story. Absolutely. So I was finishing my master's in psychology. And I met an Army veteran's wife. I had not had nothing to do with the Navy because I really got a little disheartened when I got out. I wanted to be an officer, wanted to change the Navy. That was just not in the cards. So I, I got out, completely just dissolved any contact with the military. Finishing my master's 25 years later, met an Army veteran's wife. She commented in the chat room that her husband had been out for about six months, could not get an interview. And it was really a gut punch to me. I thought, this is 2013. We're 12 years after 9-11. Why, with such military awareness, why is this still happening? Why is there such a disconnect between employers who need the talent and our great skilled military veterans that are coming out of the service? So that really sparked it. That's uh, I have to do something. Um, So I finished my master's and started volunteering for an organization, a nonprofit that um, works one-on-one with veterans. Got back into the community and uh, where I belong. I, I wish I could put the uniform back on. It's just, I just absolutely love you it. You were home. That was your family. I, I, I was. I, I am I am home now doing what I do. So um, so that really started it. And I knew then in 2014, I, I knew I wanted to build an algorithm to do it. Just didn't have the money yet. Um, so did some research, tried to do it manually one-on-one, got a lot of knowledge in there, worked with a lot of employers, worked with a lot of veterans. And then finally in 2018, we were able to put the finances together and build the algorithm that does the matching today. So, All right. So you're going to have to talk us through that because <laughs> yeah. I don't even, I can't even spell ag- algorithms right now. So you're going to have to tell us, much less put one together. How does that happen? What does it mean? And this technology that you've, you've come up with, how does that help uh, build that bridge between the, the, the veterans that you're working with and the employers that you're trying to match them with? Absolutely. Great question. So the first problem is for the, the service members, it's translating their skills, right? You're in the military. It's not about you. You're doing your mission. You're standing there with your teammates, your unit. You're not taking a skills inventory. You're not saying, oh, I'm in data processing, but I also do this, and I also have these skills, or now I've got this training, and now I have these skills. You're not doing that. 
when you're and when you get out, there's so many overwhelming decisions that you have to do. So sitting down and doing a skills inventory is not something that's on your mind, right? So we do that for them. Our algorithm translates their military occupation into a skills profile. So we built the tables that would look at, if you're an 11 Bravo in the Army as um, infantry, what that job really entails. Not just the core title of the job, so security, right? So everybody immediately thinks of infantry as security, right? But if you look at the actual job description of somebody in the infantry, there are things like operational planning, equipment maintenance, logistics, HR, supply chain, all these things, truck drivers, I mean, infantry does all of these other skills, as does every occupation in the military. All these other skills go into that. Because when you also think about it, we spend about three quarters of our time in the military in training. You're always training for something, right? Whether it's the next mission, your next duty station, whatever it is, you're always in training. So the first thing that we do is, is build that foundational skills profile for our service members. All of the job descriptions yes. for that. Okay. Yep. So we looked at every job description in the military. How many job descriptions? Thousands of wow. them. Um, yes, carpal tunnel. That was uh, in that data, that entry part. But we looked at those job descriptions and determined with our HR background, what skills went into that job. And then on the other side for the employers, the employers have to go in and create job profiles. We don't scrape jobs off the internet. We don't have our candidates apply first or use a resume. The employers have to be intentional about the skills they need, not the tasks they need done but the skills they need to get the tasks done. There's a big difference between the two. So our employers go in and create job profiles, pick the exact skills they're looking for, and our algorithm then matches them with candidates with those skills. So it's kind of, you know, eHarmony, Carvana kind of thing where you say, this is what I need. Here's a person with those skills. Have a conversation. That's really what we're driving. That's great. That's so, that's so cool. I bet it was uh, exhausting to get all of that built. It was. And it's an ongoing process because there's still probably hundreds that we don't have in our database that we're constantly adding and revising. So, so how long have you been at this? Almost four years now. Four years. So uh, let me ask you this. How, i got a bunch of questions. How closely aligned is the job description to what you actually find are the skills of these individuals? It's it is very far between, unfortunately. Is it? You know, when you think about um, job descriptions, and HR people are busy. They're, they're busy. Hiring managers are busy. You know, writing a job description is the last thing on their mind, right? Mm -hmm. They just know that they need, you know, in the construction world, I need that pile of dirt moved over there. That's, that's the task. But what skills are required? Do you need to drive the big dump truck? Do you need to drive the, as my daughter would call it, the big yellow scoopy thing? Um, what skills do you need? Not just that you can move that dirt from here to there, but the skills required of that. So it's a different mindset. And it truly is a difference between the task you need done and what skills do you need to do the job. Can, does the person need to be in front of clients when they're moving the dirt? Does the person, is, is it okay that they're not an extrovert, that they like to be behind the scenes kind of thing? So it's a different thought process in picking out the right skills you need. Because just because I moved the dirt at another company doesn't mean I have the skills to do it. I right. could have done a horrible job at it at my last employer. But unfortunately, that's what employers now, because they're, they're tasked with so many things, they want the quick, easy, you know, did you do the job before? great, we'll hire you, versus really asking, do you have the skills to do the job? So, Do you, do you meet 
the candidates? Some of them. You did. A lot of our stuff's virtual and online okay. um, because the program is so easy to use that we don't um, need to be in, in person. But we also do walkthroughs of our program. And if a veteran or service member or military spouse, because our program is available for military spouses as well, another group of hardworking individuals that I could talk about all day long. Um, but we'll do a walkthrough. And if they need something, if they need some training, if they need coaching, whatever they need, we'll find a resource in our library of network of resources for them. So Now, you keep saying the word we. So who who is we? Have yeah. you got a team? My that, staff. Yeah, uh, yeah. How, big, staff. how big is the team? We've got four on staff now. Okay. So it's, it's growing. Uh, we're adding, uh, adding a few more this year, so we're pretty excited about that. But my chief of staff is absolutely phenomenal, uh, Miss Neela. I, I shout out to Miss Neela. Yep, shout out to Miss Neela, because I would not be where we are today without her, so... What does Miss Neela do? She is, well, she started out as our military advocate to really grow our candidate database and build the relationships we have with all the military installations around the world, veteran service organizations, et cetera. She's morphed really into my chief of staff and my, my right hand and my left arm. So, yeah. Got to have someone like that absolutely, on the team. Absolutely. So, you know, you were explaining to me a little bit before we started rolling that, you know, the your involvement through this process, it, it kind of stops there once the interview is, is created. And and then it's in the hands of the, the employer and the candidate to figure it out. Are we a fit or not? But I'm sure in the last four years, you've heard stories of uh, success stories of where you've been able to help someone find a job and, and make that transition from their military career to a civilian world. So share with us, if you would, uh, an example or two of uh, a story where it worked. Yeah, so we, I mean, there's there's plenty of them. Um, the beauty of our program is by translating their skills from their military experience and then matching them to an employer who's intentional about hiring a military spouse or military veteran. That starts off the journey just more successfully to begin with, right? Because that employer already values that person as a veteran. They already know up front what they're getting. So that veteran comes in knowing they're valued. So right there is a success to, to even from the beginning, right? And then placing that veteran, matching them to a job that uses their skills that they are proud of, that they're confident in, they're comfortable in, they're, they know what they're doing, right off the bat, again, makes them successful in that job because they don't have to worry about, well, I tried to, I wrote my resume to fit myself into a job, but the job description didn't fully describe the job well. So now I'm in a job that doesn't use the skills, right? So we take out that barrier. And so helping them be successful just by getting them matched to a job that needs their skills. So we've got several success stories. Of, we had jobs um, in South Carolina for the Department of, of Veterans Affairs. We found two um, um, veterans that were, one was in Idaho, one was in Montana, matched to the job, got the job. I mean, it just, it, 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 it's things like that, that where they probably never would have known about the job in South Carolina, but on their profile, they were willing to relocate to South Carolina. So they got matched to it. Um, it's just those kind of things that happens every day. Happens every day that a veteran gets matched to a job, to an employer they never would have thought to find out there. You know, infantry getting matched to a pharmaceutical company, and not for a security job, but for a logistics job. So it's just there are hundreds of those kind of stories. And it feels good to know that 
the matching process sets everybody up for success, right? It sets the veteran and the military spouse up for success, but it also sets that employer up for success because they're already ready for that interview with a veteran or military spouse. They're already welcoming that person into their organization. They're already ready to have an onboarding experience for them and a retention experience for them that gives them long-term success. It's pretty cool that, you know, you you do eliminate a painful part of the hiring process by cross-referencing the needs with the skills. Right. Like you take that out of the equation exactly. and with your technology. So that's, that's pretty cool. And any idea how many you have worked with over the last four years? I mean, oh what kind of volume? Thousands. Are you? Thousands. Yeah. Yeah. And then are your clients the companies? Yes. So you're being paid by the companies yes. to fill positions that they have. Correct. Okay. Yep. They subscribe. So it's an annual subscription. It's unlimited jobs and unlimited candidates. The, and, and the intention for us is that we want employers to create as many jobs as possible for two reasons. It helps them build a pipeline. This is an investment in a talent strategy. This isn't just a reactive, we have a job to fill, let's throw bodies at it. This is a talent, long-term talent strategy to see what does this company need this year from a talent perspective. Because everything's contained in our program, so they can put in jobs that they're planning to have open. They could put in jobs that they're thinking about, asking for the money to have open. But they can build the business case by saying, we want to open this location in North Carolina. We've already got a pipeline of talent ready to put in those spots. So that's we're building that for the employers. And, and and on the intentional side for the the veterans, it's about giving them that, you know, wide open opportunity to anything. Mm-hmm. It's just I mean, it's it's amazing. So tell me about the so obviously you identified a workforce skills gap in the construction industry. And uh you're I'm sure you're hearing it all over the place. We hear it all the time. Yeah. Uh Tell me about the partnership with Carolina's AGC and why specifically uh, you're wanting to press into the construction space and what you've seen there. Yeah. So, well, construction is one of those occupations in the military. So the Army has their Army Corps of Engineers. The Navy has their Seabees. But Air Force, um, they're not, their core title isn't construction, but they, they're building you know, buildings in a new duty station or out in the field kind of thing. So Almost everybody in the military has had some sort of construction training. We also got involved with an organization called HBI, Home Builders Institute. It's funded by the Home Depot Foundation. They take service members in their last 12 weeks of service and put them through a certification for home building, residential remodeling, HVAC, electrical, concrete, um, uh, walls, I, I'm not I'm thinking of all the terms here, but drywall, there we go, um, and puts them through this certification. So we got involved with them pretty early on. And so it kind of set the stage for us to have great success in the construction industry to match those students, particularly with construction companies. And then we got um, involved with South Carolina Manufacturers Alliance, which led us to Leslie and the CAGC. Uh, and forming that partnership with them, which has been tremendously successful. We've already got over 30 employers from South Carolina and North Carolina using the program because of that partnership with CAGC, and very successful. I mean, we're, we're finding truck drivers for companies, heavy equipment operators for companies. When you think about in the military, they have heavy equipment operators. The only difference is they're not licensed. So when they come out of the military, if a company needs that them to be licensed, 
We then have resources to help that veteran service member get their license quickly because of their experience. So it's very, um, it's one of our best industries to work in because a lot of service members like to work outside. They like to work with their hands. They don't really like to sit behind a desk. Um, so they want to be out outdoors. And it's a natural so, fit. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's been very successful. Well, congratulations Thank on you. the success of that. 30 companies yeah. already just, yeah. and you just formed the partnership. Last, the year, last right? year, yes. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, so this is the part where we ask you to give us the dirt, right? And so we're going to dig a little deeper here. Tell us, I'm sure there are days that this is a challenging job, right? Tell us, tell us the hardest part of what you do. Well, the hardest part is funding a small business, a startup, right? So um, we started out four years ago bootstrapping this company. And um, it really, you know, I sold a house. I've cashed out my 401k. The funding part of it's been the biggest struggle, knowing I've got enough money in the bank to pay my staff. Um, because we're a SaaS company, a software as a service company, we don't have brick and mortar locations. We don't have widgets to, you know, if a bank gave us a loan and, and we defaulted, We'd have widgets for them to sell. We don't have any of that. So getting somebody to take a chance on us and help fund what we're doing has been the biggest challenge. But other than that, there's, I don't sleep. Neela and my staff will tell you I don't sleep because I just absolutely love what I get to do every day. It is just so amazing to help companies find the right talent, help our military community get into successful careers with companies that value them, right, as a veteran or a military spouse. So I, I don't know how we've made it these four years, quite honestly, um, but we have and we're growing and we're getting better and bigger. Um, we've got some great things coming out this year. Uh, for our talent and for our employers. And I just love what I get to do every day. You know, and I can tell that you started crying again, Robin. <laughs> I, I, I called it. But that, you know, it just shows your heart. Yeah. And that you you are doing this for all the right reasons. And I'm sure that there are some rewarding moments that come from it. Gosh. So all the hard work and all the sleepless nights that you put into this, you're making a difference. Thank you. But it does break my heart a little bit that you had to fill this need. Like it, it doesn't yeah. exist and that our veterans aren't being taken care of. Um, yeah. And that I'm sure there are many other needs outside of just finding a job that uh, aren't being met either. And so it, it is, you know, thank God for people like yourselves that are willing to move into that space. But it is a shame that, yes. uh, that they're having to deal with that and they're not better prepared for making that transition. Yeah. Now, it's it's getting better, of course. The DOD has got a lot of programs now where they're trying to help with that transition. There's a lot of organizations out there that try to help. Um, in the employment space, however, unfortunately, it's not enough to just give a veteran a list of jobs and say, go apply, because 95% of the time they're going to get filtered out. Whether they self-filter because they look at a job description and they say, I don't have those skills or I, don't, I didn't do that job without why discounting that they actually have the skills they could do the job so they won't even apply for the position and then when you think about it there are six million small businesses not counting these large organizations but six million small businesses with more than 20 employees where does a person even start to apply for right. jobs and think about where their skills fit so that's why we're really driving the reverse of the process Let's match you to an employer that needs your skills specifically rather than you trying to find them. Let them find you. So, Well, let's talk about that. How does someone find you? How does, how does an employer get hooked up with you? 
actually, before we go there, let me ask you this. Is, do you find that, um, is there something that you want to make sure exists at the companies that employers need to have to be able to, uh, to bring in a workforce uh, of veterans? Is, do they, are most employers prepared to have a workforce of veterans? No, unfortunately they're not. When you think about it, less than 1% of the population serves in the military, right, okay. has worn the uniform. And the military is its own culture, yeah. right? It's a totally different language. So if you're not accustomed to that, if you're not used to that, you're unprepared to bring in a military veteran, understand what their resume says, understand what their skills are, understand what they bring to the table, other than 99% of people will tell you, yes, I want to hire a veteran because I know they've got leadership. I know they're resilient. They're resourceful. They've got all these skills, but I don't know how to fit them into my organization. Mm. And I don't have time to figure that out because they're busy. And now with COVID, I mean, there's so many other things that HR is tasked with and talent acquisition teams are tasked with. So we want to, we're making it easy for them. That's what I was going to, how do you help just, them with that? So if I come to easy. you today and say, look, I'm interested, we've got needs. I would like to partner with you and, and we're, but we want to make sure that we're doing our part as a company too, and that we provide a work environment that sure. they can be successful in. Well, the fir- the first step is saying that you want to build that environment, right? To be open minded to it takes a different environment to to onboard a military person to make sure they're successful. Not that we have, you know, not that we're special uh, or anything, but because we've been in a military culture for even three or four years, somebody that's only served for three or four years. It's, it's already embedded in them from day one, from the day you go to boot camp or officer training school, right? Um, it's embedded in us. So just having an employer be open-minded to knowing this is a valuable asset to our company, how can we respect that? How can we um, support that? So whether it's creating a veteran resource group where you bring a group of employees together that are veterans or support veterans, giving them a, a mentor the day they start so they've got their battle buddy, as, as we call it in, in the military, making sure those, and these are no-cost things to employers. It doesn't cost any money to do these things. Um, but just, I think, more the mindset of, this is a veteran, I know they're valuable, how do I make sure that I can retain them and right. what that looks like? But if you don't know that they're a veteran, and a lot of times I can tell you, I, I applied for many jobs and didn't list that I was a veteran because there's so many stigmas about, you know, what, do I have PTSD? You were afraid to put it on the application. Yes, exactly. Military spouses don't designate that they're a military spouse because employers will say, well, you're not going to stick around for very long. I can't invest in you. So employers are missing out on that talent and they don't even know it. Even if they come in the door, they may not know it. So now when I come in and I'm a veteran, my first day on the job, my onboarding process is sit at this desk, read a book because your desk isn't ready, your key card isn't ready, your phone isn't ready, your manager's out today, so we're not ready for you to start your job. That is the worst thing for a veteran and really anybody, right? Mm -hmm. You start a new job, you want to hit the ground running. You want to make a good impression, first impression, so an onboarding process, but it it's really about just thinking about investing in the employee. And quite honestly, as an HR professional, this can tra- transverse not just military, people with disabilities, any talent that you bring into an organization, value them as an asset that they are. Because the, the reality is, without employees, businesses don't grow. 
businesses don't stay in business without employees. Well, we we hear it all the time right now. You can't find help. You can't find people to fill jobs, but they're out there. They're out there. You're just not looking in the right places. Exactly. So tell us how, I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners right now that are saying, hey, I've got needs. We hear mm-hmm. it. Our construction companies are looking to fill positions right now. Absolutely. How do they hook up with you? So they can email us at talent at veteransascend.com. Go out to our website, veteransascend.com. Schedule a demo right from our website. We'll, we'll connect with you. No obligation demos. Again, we're about building relationships with companies who are truly intentional about finding the right talent for their organization. So if you're not intentional about really investing in a talent strategy, we're not the right resource. But you can be darn sure that when you work with us, you're going to get taken care of and you're going to find the right talent for your organization. So Awesome. Yeah. What about, is the process the same for if we've got a veteran that's in this situation right now where they're trying to get uh, back into yep. working world? Do they call, go through the same process? Veteransascend.com. Just sign up from there. It takes less than 10 minutes for them to create their profile. It's completely free. Again, we don't use a resume, and we don't have them apply for jobs. We're really about matching them to the right job. Robin, that's awesome. I'm already sitting here thinking about how we can get connected with you because uh, I love the work that you're doing. I love the concept of it. And you're exactly right. The skills that our veterans have translate very well into our industry. Do. So I want to thank you for coming. Thank you for being thank a guest you. with us thank today. You. And thank you for, again, for your service and for the great work that you are doing for our military families. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Give Us the Dirt. Our podcast is powered by Hoopah Grading Company in Charlotte, North Carolina, and produced by Well Run Media and Marketing. Visit our website at giveusthedirtpodcast.com and subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Google so you never miss an episode.